0: Well, we've got uh, uh, two weeks left that we've been reading through the uh, New Testament. It's kind of rereading through the New Testament because we prior to this, we did a reading all the way through the entire Bible, and then the New Testament went through really quickly, so we decided to just sort of reread through the New Testament, and we've got about two weeks left. Uh, this week, actually yesterday, we ended with Romans 8. This today starts up Romans 9, so we're looking at Romans 8. And the other thing that we're doing as we're reading through the New Testament uh, is that we've been looking at passages that have to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, helping to understand that first time we read through the Bible, we read through Acts chapter 3 about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, for those that, that believe in Jesus, the promises the Holy Spirit is now inside of us. And what does that mean? And Paul is talking about that here in this passage. Um, the background to Romans is sort of the background of most of what Paul writes. It comes from the fact that Paul was going around in, uh, in sort of the Roman world or Greek world, you might say, and preaching the gospel, and people were coming to believe, and churches were forming based on that. But the churches were a mix of people who maybe had a Jewish background, who were used to worshiping God, used to looking at the Bible. There was a lot that they sort of already had innate in their culture of what they were used to. But then there was a lot of people, for the most part, it was people who really didn't have any uh, Jewish background uh, whatsoever. They had all sorts of different backgrounds. And, And so what happened though, is as he planted these churches, people came up from the church in Jerusalem or people that were coming from this sort of church background or this background of worshiping God and this background of looking at what the Bible has to say. And they were saying, look, we, we are saved by faith. We do believe in Jesus. We, we have this new life based on forgiveness, but it sounds like a lot of what Paul is saying is that there is no use for the law anymore. And so what they did was they said, look, there. yes, we believe, but there is still good things that are coming to us. And and it's important for us to continue to embrace what we have always embraced, which is the law of Moses. And and what they meant by the law of Moses was, was just that, God had told them in the Bible what good was. Here's the things that you should be doing, and here's the things that you shouldn't be doing. And God had said in the law of Moses that if we do the things that we should be doing, and we don't do the things that we, you know, shouldn't be doing, then we'll have blessing in life, freedom. Good things will come to us. But if we don't do it, if we don't do the right thing, or if we do some of the things that we know we shouldn't do, then a curse will fall on us, and we will face death. And and so the question that Paul is addressing is, what does that concept, which includes determining what a good thing is or what the right thing is to do, and, and then impressing upon people, either shaming people or pressuring people or scolding people into seeing that like, look, if you don't comply with this, if you don't fall in line with this, if you don't start doing what we see and know and believe is the right thing to do, or if you start doing some of the things that that we see and believe that we know are the wrong thing to do, if that happens, then things are going to go really badly for you. And, And there's a a power in being able to confront people with that and to be able to say that because that concept of that assurance that if we mess up, it's going to go badly for us, that is what keeps us in line. That keeps us just completely going crazy and messing up. There's a necessity for that to be a part of what following Jesus is. And what Paul, for the most part, has been saying, actually, that's completely false. And that's his argument here. And so let's look at it and see what he has to say. He says, uh, starting in verse one, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, Condemnation means there's no judgment, there's no penalty. He's not saying that, you know, No one in Jesus is ever doing anything wrong, that Christians aren't doing things wrong. He's not saying that. He's just saying that the tail end of that, here's all the things that are done that that are done wrong or whatever, or, you know, that we we've made a mistake on, whether willfully or unwillfully, there's all this. And it's supposed to result in this, the blessing and the curse. But he says, because of Christ Jesus, there's now no connection there. I mean, there there may be this, but you can't infer anything beyond that. There's no rational connection there. Why is that? Because he says, in Christ Jesus, Jesus is the name of the person of Jesus. When Jesus was born, his name was Jesus. Christ is his title or his purpose or his calling, which is the Savior of the world. And it was something that was promised throughout the entire Bible. And, And so what he's saying is, is when we believe that We need forgiveness for our sins and that we can find that forgiveness in Jesus. And that's something that was difficult for people to understand because the disciples and everyone knew that God was promising this Savior, but they thought of the Savior as saving them through this sort of mechanism of like the law, that the Savior, we needed someone to come and just sort of point out more clearly what it is that we need to do, how it is that we should walk and do things, uh, point out things that we're doing wrong and lead us in doing things right and and lead us and and be a power against people that are sort of oppressing us or people that are not complying with this. And and that's what that, that salvation will be, is leading us in that way. And they were completely mistaken by that. And that's what the main thing that Paul and other people were coming in and telling people, it's like the savior that we need isn't someone who's going to lead us and be powerful enough to overcome the enemy and people and that type thing. That here's these good people, is that the savior is going to show us how to be good and then take this good group of people and overcome that bad group of people. That's not what the kind of salvation we needed. What we needed was a Savior that was going to save us by dying for us because we have done things that are deserving of death, and so now to save us, he's going to take that penalty on himself. And and so what Paul is saying here is, if you believe that, that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, if we believe that Jesus took all of those consequences and that penalty, that judgment, that word, that's why he says there's now no condemnation. Why? Because Jesus took all that on himself, carried that burden for us. If we believe that he carried that, then how is it we can say that there's something important about telling someone else, no, I'm going to take this off of Jesus and put it back on you? (laughs) He says there's no value in that. There's no rational process there. You can't believe that Jesus carried all our sins and yet still shame and push and pressure people because of the consequences of sin to conform to a good life. He just says there's no rational connection there anymore. It's two different messages. One is we're going to, you need to be careful because we're going to carry the results of our sin on us. And the message of Jesus is, Jesus is going to carry that. Uh, so he says they're, they're contradictory in their rationale. And, and if we believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, then we're now, there is no good or way forward that comes by reattaching that back on ourselves. And he says, here's what it is now. He says, for the law and again, that law, to them, that word law means that idea that's tied to the law of Moses of here's the good things to do. Here's the things you shouldn't do also. But it's the totality of things we should, things we shouldn't. And insofar as we're able to do that, we'll have blessing from that. And insofar as we're not, we'll have curse, we'll have death in our life. And that balance of wanting to see good and not wanting to see bad, it is supposed to, uh, push us towards the right direction, lead us in that direction. He says, well, first of all, what we had hoped for in that law of leading us forward in a good direction, we're not being led forward by the law of Moses in that. He says we're being led forward by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set us free from the law of sin and death. So we have this hope of being let, that we need a savior that's going to lead us forward in a direction, and we had hoped that that would happen through this mechanism of us knowing what the right thing is to do, and then us doing it, and us being able to overcome those who are fighting against that that aspect. Paul just labels that as he gives it the label of sin and death. He just says everything that we've attached our hopes to in terms of we need to figure out the right way of doing this. Uh, Like, it it could just be simple things even in the church. It could just be, if we can figure out the right way of having a a Zoom service, then everything will go well. If we can just figure out the right way of doing Sunday school, if we can just figure out the right way to raise our kids, if we can just figure out the right way to address different problems or this and that, then things will go well for us. We keep holding to that promise. And Paul's saying, look, if you look through history and through time, the, the label that you would have to say is all that has proved to gain us is nothing but sin, us messing up and receiving death, the consequences for it. We, we've When we put into that situation, it's just basically what ends up, it comes down to is, There isn't any hope because we just keep messing up. And if the consequences are due to us based on us messing up, then we're just always going to be facing these horrible consequences. But he said, there's a completely different hope that we can place on. And here's that hope. He says, it's the law of the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that word spirit is capitalized because that's a name, because it's very clear in this passage. And we'll look at it down in verse nine that he's talking about. The Holy Spirit, and what he's saying is, is, look. One way of looking at this is, it's here I am. It's just me in the flesh, a person, and yeah, I'm responsible for figuring for for believing, for knowing, for doing what's right, and that, and, and then and then there's going to be consequences if I don't get it right, and blessings if I do. When it was just us dealing with a law in that type of sense. The result was that we're all all dying. That's obviously the result. We're all dead. We're all in the course of dying. There isn't anyone here that isn't dying. He says that's the result. But the Savior came to save us from those results and took those consequences that, that would result in our death on himself. And now he's given us a new law or a new hope that leads us forward, and that is... This indwelling of the Holy Spirit that has come, that we saw in Acts 8, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Prior to this, there was the Holy Spirit was working in the world, different miracles, everything, all these different miracles were happening. But what changed is now, it's not just God in general, what is the work of God out here? Now it is God is actually inside of us, connected to who we are as a person. And he's saying that fundamentally changes things, that you can't go. There's no reason to go back to this law of Moses type thing of this blessing and curse. One, because we were saved from that, and there's no condemnation found there anymore to be afraid of. There's no fear to be afraid of there anymore, because Jesus took it all on himself. But also now we have something better, because now it's not just us, and it all depends on us, this person just walking around he's saying now there is also God in us so so here's just us and here is us with God walking around and so what we need to pay attention to is what the Holy Spirit is doing whereas here we didn't have any choice it was just about what we were doing and what we were doing it turned out miserable things deserving of death but now we have something else to look at we have what is the Holy Spirit doing? And not just what is God doing in the world in a general sense, but specifically there's like the actions of God, the work of God are tied to our life is what he's saying. And so now it's about that, looking at that, talking about that. Stop talking about what I'm doing. Me, me, me. I need to figure this out. I need to do this. It all depends on me, 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 me. That's just resulted in death. Now, we have an option of something else because now the Holy Spirit is in us. And so we can, it's, it's not somewhere far over the sea. It's not on the other side of a mountain. You don't have to go into some sort of building. You don't have to search for it. It's in our lives, with us, around us, everywhere we go. It's easily accessible. What is the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? And he says, let's talk about, think about that instead of this. And then he says, for the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. What's interesting there is he doesn't say, here's the law, and the problem is we just failed. I mean, that is the case. But he actually says this other way of looking at things where it's just us and our actions, that he says, it couldn't do it, it was impossible. This didn't accomplish anything. We keep trying to pull this back in because we keep trying to say, no, this accomplished all this good. This did wonderful things. Paul's saying, no, it didn't. (laughs) I'm just going to give this the label sin and death. And that's not to say that people can't do good things here and there and whatever, and people do good things all the time. But the totality of this hope is us just constantly messing up and being deserving of condemnation. He says it was weak as it was to the flesh. Why? Because it was just about us. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Are we going to do things right? Are we going to do things wrong? He just says that just never accomplished what Adam and Eve had hoped it would accomplish when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil it that their hope never ended up materializing it just ended up in Cain killing Abel in death he says but God did it what we couldn't do with this Jesus did that not us Whatever good came out of this it had nothing to do with us doing something, what we did was kill Jesus. That's what we're good at. We, we killed him, that's what it did. but God raised him from the dead. Jesus lived a life that was perfect according to the law. this is it's all about what God has been doing. He says quick there's no sense. there's nothing why even draw in? I need to do this, I need to do this, this is good, this is bad, this is I need to go here, whether that's right or right. What has that ever accomplished? Instead, let's start talking about what God is doing, what God has accomplished. And now we have God in our life right before our eyes. We can't, no matter which way we turn, God is here in us. And there is a work of God that is attached to our pro- the proximity of our sight, our experience, that is never going to go away. And so why not look at that, he says. He says, what did God do? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, God came down and became a human being with us. And he offered himself for our sin. And when that happened, he condemned sin in the flesh. Our flesh is going to die. The exterior part of us. But he saved our soul, is what he's getting at. So that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What he's saying is, what's fundamentally changed, if we believe that we need forgiveness for our sins, if we believe that we can find that forgiveness in Jesus, And the only way we can find that forgiveness in Jesus is if Jesus took care of this sin problem, took it away so that it wasn't blocking the love of God anymore. So that now God, who is just, can have a relationship with us because there's no longer a wall there. There's no longer a separation. There's no longer this condemnation that has to come to us because we deserve it. And so now, if that is the case, He said, what God has done is he has said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to dwell in each person's life that believes that. And so he says, what's fundamentally different is before we were walking up and down as just these bodies, bodies of sin and death. We were just walking around as people who were forever messing things up and just causing destruction. It's just people walking around. If someone was to just come in from the outside and look, they wouldn't say, oh, well, they never did anything good, but they would say, they're just basically causing trouble. They're just constantly messing things up and just constantly tearing things down. And before that's all that there was. But now that's still there in terms of who we are in our flesh, but the Holy Spirit has come to dwell. So now we have something different to look at. What is the Holy Spirit doing as the Holy Spirit walks around in our life with us? See, we think, I, I'm going to go to the store because I need some butter. That's why I'm going to the store. That's my reasoning to take this body out and risk COVID or whatever to get a bar of butter because I just really need the butter. And so that's my reasoning. That's what he says. That's what what we're all doing. That's still going on. But in the process of me getting up and going there to the store and getting butter, the Holy Spirit is doing something. The Holy Spirit has an agenda. And what I'll discover if I start looking at that is that the Holy Spirit has a reason for me to go to the store and, and that... Oftentimes there's a person there, a conversation that happens, even though I'm not there for that reason, but the Holy Spirit is there for that reason. And so he says, instead of just talking about us going and getting butter or whatever and trying to make it look like it's this wonderful thing that we're doing, just stop all that. And let's just say, look, okay, so I'm walking to the store, but... The Holy Spirit is with me. What what's the Holy what's the Holy Spirit is doing? And he's saying, when you see someone hurting, this, this you just see that moment for that conversation? Don't just push it off because you need to go get the butter. The whole reason for being there is because the Holy Spirit is doing something, and all the joy and all the hope that we have in butter is now in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, okay, that's a stupid analogy, but he's just saying, start looking at what we really want, what we really need has nothing to do with this anymore. And and whether it did or didn't, or whatever you can say or point to it had some sort of margin of good, it's completely and utterly uh, 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 below what it is that God himself is going to do and able to do. And so now why would we go there even if you could prove that there was something good when you have perfection in the holy spirit let's start looking at what is the holy spirit doing that's completely detached from this because in this we killed jesus and he's about to say but the holy spirit brought him back to life so let's stop looking at the stuff that led to us killing jesus and let's start looking at what the holy spirit did to give jesus life and is continuing to do He says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in us, the things of the Spirit. He says, now, it's not really, if it's not about our actions, then what part do we have? In setting our our minds, our thoughts on what are we going to, Set it on instead of setting it on. I need to figure out the right way. I need to do this. I, 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 I. if I can get this done, then this will happen. If I can just figure out this the right way, then things will go smoothly. Instead of just setting our minds on this, me, 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 what I got to do, I got to do, I got all this stuff over here that's really just about us making huge mistakes in our life and suffering for it. Instead of trying, but holding out some sort of hope that I'm going to get it right at some instead of just. Setting our minds on that, he says, just why, when we could set our minds on the fact if the Holy Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit's not quiet, the Holy Spirit isn't going to just be sitting there inside of us watching TV all day, the Holy Spirit is at work, so start trying to put it into our minds, change our minds, change our outlook, he says, that's what it's about, and we've been seeing this throughout the New Testament, this transforming of our mind. Not going to this thing that left us in bondage, but instead just asking yourself, well, of course I'm going to mess up, but what is God doing? What is Jesus doing? What is the Holy Spirit doing in our life? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. He says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Now, there's a lot in there in terms of just those few words, death and life and peace, that helps us define what is it that the Holy Spirit is doing. How how can we know what the Holy Spirit is doing? I mean, I don't see the Holy Spirit. I have faith. I have belief that the Holy Spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit is doing some things. He says, the things that the Holy Spirit are doing— is doing is defined by the giving of life, the giving of freedom, the giving of peace. He says he set you free, but that just comes down to life and peace. When, When you see some sort of life or some sort of sense of peace coming to someone, that's the Holy Spirit. Trust me, that's not us. If I'm talking to someone and somehow, like, some peace comes over their life, they they find some peace, they they find, you know, this relief in life, I, I just need to know that's not me. That's something that the Holy Spirit is doing. But when I'm talking to someone and I just see death coming over them, it's like I just I try I try so hard. I you can see it sometimes in a conversation, so it's like you're piling something on and just like crushing that person. He says that's coming from this other realm. He says, the mind set on the flesh, this realm. Is hostile towards God. Why is it hostile? We're talking about, well, it's important for us to do good things, right? How can us being good doing good things be hostile to God? And he says, he says it's hostile to God's and does not subject itself to the law of God, for is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. How can that be? Because we're doing some good things here, so that has to please God. How can this be hostile? It's hostile because of this. Because whatever we see that's good, it's not us doing it, it's the Holy Spirit. But what we're doing over here is we're saying, I'm gonna take that and claim it for myself. Everything good that God gives, I'm now claiming as being granted to me on the basis of I've done the right thing. And so I've received the blessing of God. And that's completely hostile to this message of God, to the truth, which is the only reason why I'm even breathing right now is because God is gracious and loving and caring and is forgiving me because Jesus died for my sins and the Holy spirit is at work and anything good is attached to this. But when I keep trying to say no, it's about, I've done something. I've made some changes. That idea is completely hostile to the idea of, no, it's God who's done that. The idea that I'm going to be able to do it is hostile to the idea of what God is doing. Looking at what I am doing, i me, 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 is hostile to the idea of, well, what is God doing? And it turns out that looking at what the Holy Spirit, God is pleased with, With us. But he's not pleased because of this. He's pleased because of this, because the Holy Spirit is now in us, because Jesus has died for our sins so that that wall, that condemnation is no longer on us. And the requirements that Jesus has for us is simply to believe that we need forgiveness for our sins and to trust that that forgiveness is found in Jesus. And that has been done. And God is pleased with us. What he's saying is is that we keep trying to get confidence or find the love of God or or in our hearts find this closeness in this way, but all that does is just distance us, distance, distance. There is no confidence to be found there. We just keep, the truth just keeps shining, (laughs) and the truth is sin and death. But this, if we just can start asking ourselves, what is the Holy Spirit? We will see the Holy Spirit doing it. We can't help but see it because the Holy Spirit is here in us, in our life, in a way that we can see the work. It's not a work done over there that we have to go pay someone to watch. It's something that's right here, right now, in our It's not here because someone has taught us this or this or this over here, and so now we got... It's here just because of belief. And if we make the look at that, and we put our minds on what is it that the Holy Spirit is doing in this life of mine right here, what we will find is that God is pleased with us. The love of God that is there. We will find peace. And it's not that it is created by that. It's there. We're just not paying attention to it when we're thinking of all these things. But when we look at what the Holy Spirit is doing, then we're paying attention to the way that God views us, the way that God cares about us. He says, however, you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. We keep going back to this. That's okay. We're going to mess up. We're going to go back to that. He says, nothing doesn't affect anything. The Holy Spirit is still in us. God is still doing all this. It's just we've got our focus over here, and we're just missing. It's it's not devastating. We're still in the Spirit. All this is still going on. It's not that type of thing. It's just he's just saying, turn from here and look at this instead, because this is so much better. He says, you are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He just says, every single believer, if you believe that you need forgiveness for your sins, if you believe that you can find that in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is in us, guaranteed. And so now that is a rock by which we can make rational uh, projections on, (laughs) that the Holy Spirit is here. Therefore, we must be able to see the Holy Spirit, in our life. And if the Holy Spirit is with us, then God must be pleased with us. And he says, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yes, unfortunately, we're still in this body that just is continually making mistakes. That hasn't changed. We're making mistakes here. We're making mistakes here. There's no difference between that between here's all the people the world making here's us making mistakes too in in terms of that here's people everybody's body is dying whether they're christians or not that's the same but the differences is what's happening inside on the one side if we don't believe in jesus then what is it that we are it's just us but if we believe in jesus then implicit in that belief. That belief means that we believe that we're not in this sphere by ourselves. We're in it with God. God has come down and is in it. He's in our life with us. He says the Spirit is alive because of righteousness he's not talking about the righteousness of us doing right things because he's just gotten done saying the body is dead because of sin he's talking about that inside of us is the temple of god and that is righteous why is it righteous because god is there and god cannot dwell in unrighteousness it's he's dwelling with us in this body of unrighteousness But he is there with us in righteousness. He says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He says, look, yes, we're in a body that's messed up, that's messed up. Yes, there's gonna be in this sphere actions that come from us that are just messing everything up. But within the middle of that, at the core of that, there is also the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is righteous. And the Holy Spirit is at work. As we go to the store, and the Holy Spirit is at work in other people's lives, and we can see the Holy Spirit at work there, but the Holy Spirit is also at work in our life. And how do we see it? Not in our body becoming so perfect that it no longer needs to die. The body is going to die. But in the mistakes that we make that should just cripple us, God gives life instead. God brings goodness into our heart instead. There is an effect, even in this external body. what, What is restraining sin in the body of believer is not the law. What's restraining sin is the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us. If there's any sin that's restrained, he's saying... Don't attribute it to that I figured out the right thing to do and I'm going to go do it. If there's any amount of restraining, we need to chalk that up to this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. How does that work out? It's like if, if I have an anger problem and somehow I come to some sort of place where I'm not really lashing out, it's like somehow gotten under control somehow, I need to chalk that up to something that the Holy Spirit has done. It would be ridiculous for me to to go to a message that's hostile to that, the truth, which is wow, I really went through this and now I've really straightened my life and I've really like, you know, figured out how to get this handled. He says, just take it as this is something that the Holy Spirit is doing because God loves us and cares for us. And there is now no condemnation because Jesus has taken all of the things that we're doing to mess things up. He's taken those consequences on us so that now we can participate in the life and the peace and the freedom that is coming from God's work that's now being reflected from within us out. He says, so then brethren... We are under obligation, not to the flesh. We're not obligated to this anymore, to live out according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body. You will live. You know, the the, uh, NIV says misdeeds. The word is not misdeeds. The word is just deeds but it's translated that way. Why? Because people are still thinking along these same lines. Well, he's not putting to death all of our good deeds, just the misdeeds, the bad deeds. That's what he's talking about. Of course, we're still supposed to take the good deeds. The word is just deeds, whether good or bad. Our actions, just put to death the idea of our actions, whether good or bad. (laughs) The totality of it, whether good or bad. He's not saying we don't ever do anything good. He's just saying, the totality of our deeds whether good or bad in the end is sin and death and just that just needs to be put to death just stop thinking about it stop going there there is not any benefit in that there's no god's not pleased by anything that's coming out of this it all has to do now with a fundamental change where instead of God is out here, the work of God. We have to go to a prophet. We have to go across the ocean. We have to go over here to go try and figure out what God is doing. Now God is in our lives within the sphere of we can just reach out and see in our lives in a fundamentally different way, an irrevocable way that can't be taken away by this sinful body. And so if that's true, and he's saying you believe it is and just ask ourselves, what is God doing? What's the Holy Spirit doing? Why am I actually going to this store? Why do I actually have this job? Why do I have this house? I mean, I got this house because it was a good deal or something like that. Well, is there something that—why am I at this school? I decided to go here for these reasons. Ask ourselves, no, why has the Holy Spirit led me here? What is the Holy Spirit doing at this moment? whether here or there, as this flesh walks up and down the earth, what is the Holy Spirit doing as it is inside that flesh going? That flesh is going around causing destruction. But what is the Holy Spirit doing in that? He says, make that adjustment in our mind. He says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is it. He says, that's it. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean that you've gotten success over here. It doesn't mean that your body is no longer sinful. It doesn't mean that you know the right thing to do and you're going to do it. And you're going to save everyone by getting everyone, push, pressuring, you know, pushing people, trying to condemn people and trying to pressure people, shame people into doing, being like me. Because that's not it. It's as simple as this. We know we need forgiveness. We believe that we can have that forgiveness in Jesus. And God has now given us the Holy Spirit in us. So now being a believer means let's look at what that Holy Spirit is doing. Let's start talking about that. Let's start joining our heart and our thoughts not to what's leading us over here, but how the Holy Spirit is leading us. When we walk into a place, instead of saying, I'm doing it. Well, I'm having this conversation with someone because of this and this and this. What is the Holy Spirit doing with this? Ask ourselves that. Think about that. Put our minds On that, And as we do, he said, the benefit is that we'll be able to finally see the love of God, which is obviously there, the pleasure of God, the way that God looks at us, pleasingly, the righteousness of God. We're going to enjoy all that because it's there with us 24-7 because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us. He says, why not just look at that and let that be? What we're going to talk about because that's some great stuff that's a wonderful thing that's going to give us what it is that we're looking for let's not go back to talking about this because that's never ended up leading us in a direction that's anything other than the label he gives it sin and death uh, let's pray and for those of you that are listening either on zoom or on youtube if there's anything that you feel like the holy spirit has been saying to you obviously I've been talking and part of my talking is this flesh where I'm going to say a bunch of things for all mess. You're going to have to get past all that. But you know, if the Holy Spirit has put something on your heart, if you feel as though in the midst of me going blah, 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 you feel like Jesus is talking to you and you feel like this is the first time I've, I've really thought of this, but I do need forgiveness for my sins. And if that forgiveness can be found in Jesus, I want that forgiveness. And I want the Holy Spirit in my life. If you're making that decision right now, either on YouTube or on Zoom, uh, you can pray with me and receive uh, Jesus as your Savior, which means receiving the Holy Spirit into your life. And then we're going to take communion together. Let's pray. Lord, for anyone right now who is asking for forgiveness for their sins, we pray that forgiveness... Would be on them, and that you would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you would make them into a child of God. And I pray that for all of us, you would turn our hearts, turn our minds towards what you are doing, and to the work of the Holy Spirit that's before us. We ask all things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, we're gonna take communion right now, and part of what taking communion his i mean i've said this before communion was instituted as a tradition for us to remember something but it was done on the night that jesus was betrayed by by a kiss by someone who loved him or was in that group with that kind of love and what he's saying is is remember in my body remember in my blood what I did for you on the cross. And he's basically saying exactly what Paul is saying here. Remember now, there is no condemnation because I've taken it all on myself. And so now we don't have to move forward in fear. We don't have to move forward in condemnation. We can move forward looking at this gift of the Holy Spirit that is in our lives. The Lord Jesus on the same night as he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup, and after he had taken a sip, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. It's a moment, if you believe that you need forgiveness, if you believe that you can find that forgiveness in Jesus, Jesus says, do this to remember that, that there's no condemnation in me. Let's pray, and then afterwards, I'll take it with you guys. Jesus, we thank you so much for coming down in the flesh and taking the burden of all of our mistakes, of all of our sin taking the condemnation on yourself. We thank you for that. We thank you for freeing us from that. And we thank you for this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for dwelling in us. Lord, help us to enjoy the, the joy and the love and the connection and the communion with you as we watch you at work in our lives and guard our hearts, guard our minds for us so that we can keep them on you and what it is that you're doing. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Eat and drink of it, all of you.